Oh, hey, everybody. Um, welcome back to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Here we discuss your favorite movies of all time, as well as the ones that got away. <laughs> Look at classic and iconic films from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan and that of the uncultured who's never seen it before until now. Yeah. We're your hosts, Joe and Justin, here to act as your guides, playing part as both the fellow enthusiasts and the ignorant and uncultured. <laughs> Today, to close out our February miniseries on love, we'll be talking about a movie that dares to ask the question, is this the hottest someone has ever looked in a white sweater? It's Women's <laughs> When Harry Met Sally. Oh my God. Um, what, was, what did you say, 87? 89. 89. Okay. I was but two years old. I was negative Not even, five. Quite, not even a thought. Quite just the twinkle in someone's eye. Yep. Um, yeah, this is this movie is a classic for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, dare I say, it's like the blueprint for modern like rom-coms. Many would say the same. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I get that feeling. Um, a lot of I think like modern day sitcoms also kind of play off this um, kind of formula, right? From what I've read slash listened to, I, I, I listened to a few other like movie related podcasts and I just listened to an episode of Blank Check that was on <laughs> When Harry Met Sally. So I'm really hoping I don't like subconsciously plagiarize all of that uh, That's fine. this episode. Um, but a lot of people considered it to be like a Woody Allen-esque film mixed with sitcom tendencies. Uh, but yeah. I think the conclusion that they came to on that episode that I was listening to is that it does it transcends both of those uh, because it, it, it does really dive into and give more agency to both of its characters, I think, than uh, any sitcom or any Woody Allen film ever really would. Yeah, I don't, I'm not too familiar with the the woody allen verse uh i get that i and, and i understand that he is like a prolific kind of you know comedic writer um brings a lot to the table historically and all that kind of stuff amid a whole slew of controversy Not but none the, nonetheless uh painted a pretty good roadmap i guess of bucking traditional storytelling when it comes to two people falling in love yeah, yeah. I think uh, with the Woody Allen of it all, I think his films tend to be uh, this same sort of dynamic, like movies about love, movies about people talking about love, very much talking and walking around cities like this. Um, this is a talkie. Think, it's a talkie. Oh, such a, it's, it's, that's all it is. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think Woody's movies, though, in hindsight, tend to be a little bit more pretentious. Like, I... I liked Midnight in Paris when it came out, and now I'm just like, eh, is, eh. This, is this actually good, or is this the worst thing I've ever seen? Um, <laughs> whereas with with a movie like When Harry Met Sally, and we'll get into like the credits of it all, like I think this really survives the test of time in a way, even though it's like, you know, it's it's 2023, and it's like we're we're talking about like a super heteronormative uh, movie that I cannot relate to for a number of reasons, but like. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 relationship dynamics are very recognizable and very uh real while also having so much comedy just around every corner yeah and it's that classic kind of new york delicatessen mm. you know jewish historic kind of comedy to it that we all know and love the jerry seinfelds the um you know we already mentioned the, the woody allen's um 
but yeah, it's got that familiar kind of lived in vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, you mentioned the, you know, the pure heteronormative, just like man loves woman falls in love this, all this kind of stuff. Like, um, yeah, I'd be curious to see like how this would fare in, in this current day and age, if you retold this story. Well, we're so like like I mentioned in in my little opening there, we we are wrapping up our February miniseries on love. The first movie we did, which was your pick, was um, Lost in Translation. Uh, and now we're watching When Harry Met Sally. Both movies are specifically about kind of the nature of love and both movies uh, kind of stand out in a way that they're they're not the same as other romantic comedies. Yeah. Uh, of whatever's happening uh and in their particular time periods right yeah um so this this movie is very much about uh the nature of like how friendship uh becomes love and how love can alternatively put friendship at risk uh it's about the risk of love it's about the 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 worry that love may ruin everything right yep mm-hmm uh, and then Lost in Translation, we talked about, obviously, was about um, finding kind of fleeting moments of uh, connection with people and how that can often be perceived as as strong as or even stronger than regular love. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I do like how we picked two movies that are in kind of the romantic comedy drama genre, but they're both standouts in a way for uh, when compared to other uh, movies like them. Yeah, like like we did on the previous episode with Lost in Translation, we can and we probably will still deep read, close read this movie mm. of, you know, like you, you can read stuff deeper than face value. And, you know, it, it's interesting, like we were halfway through the movie or whatever, and uh, Ryan leans over to me and she's like, you know, this is giving this feel this particular moment feels very like your pick, like um, mm-hmm. Lost in Translation, you know they're kind of going through the same thing at that particular beat of the film. And they're kind of sharing in each other's kind of like misery and, um, you know, uncertainty and kind of just traveling through life together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it just feels very just dialogue heavy, which it is. Yeah. Um, We, we talked about, you know, my, my big thesis with loss and translation that took me like, 45 minutes to get to was like <laughs> how the audience is kind of along for the ride with that movie. They, they are experiencing these moments of deep connection in kind of the same way that the characters are. And I think there's a similar element of that with um, when Harry met Sally, uh, because like you're, you're basically, you're, you're getting to know these characters and you're falling in love with these characters at the same rate that mm-hmm. they're falling in love with each other uh, for I, this reason, even though there's like 12 years worth of time jumps in here. I did. I did love that a lot. That it is a journey together with them, mm-hmm. and obviously, it's well written. It's a good movie that, in that regard, of you're supposed to feel at the beginning, you know, kind of put off by each other or by you know by the characters are just like ugh, they, you know, young uh, Billy Crystal with his short shaggy hair spit. Oh my god, Billy Crystal's hair out. journey throughout this movie is bad. You could write um, books. You really could. Um, but yeah, like that that first introduction is just like, Ugh, this these two people will never end up together. And then you jump five years later and you're like, eh, there's still bits of growing that needs to be done there, but they're on their path or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, you grow along with them. And then by the end, you're like really fighting for them. You're really cheering on, even though you know that's how it's going to end. Um, 
but like you're really rooting them on. And I love that. I thought that was yeah. Cool. The, the the movie sets itself up as like the classic male perspective versus the classic female perspective. And the entire movie is about them finding ways to meet in the middle and being surprised by what the other is bringing to the table. And I, I, I love that so much of this movie is about like their friendship as opposed to like them kind of having like a no strings attached kind of relationship. Yep. Um, because it, I, I find it so much more comforting to see them as friends than me too. And when it gets a little bit more stressful, yeah, uh, it's, it's that, they, the the sex kind of comes into play, and it it's it's the um, you know, it's the fuse that gets lit that's identified, and it and it happens of like sex complicates things, <laughs> and you see, and it does, and it comes to fruition, and it they take a turn, and it's like a they have the inner turmoil, and they're fighting more, and then she slaps them, and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, oh my god, are they? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be one of those movies? Is this? gonna be like the breakup where at the end they just don't end up together it's more about the journey oh spoiler but but they don't end up together um that kind of thing and you thought that that or i had that fleeting moment but you know being what this movie is to the culture to the zeitgeist to everything you know so many scenes have been taken you know out of context or just like iconized Mm-hmm. you know, to Helen back, you know, the, the ending monologue that he gives her at the new year's party, uh, obviously the diner scene, it lives in infamy. Everyone knows that scene, even if they haven't seen it. Um, and then some of the other like elements that he talks about, you know, it's like men and women can't be friends because sex gets in the way and all that kind of stuff. Like that kind of permeates in the other stuff too. So those three things are really like the only kind of touch points that I had to this movie going in yeah yeah so did you did you know much about like the plot or the resolution i guess you talked about like you kind of knew the ending going into this but did you were there any elements that surprised you this is this is kind of a it's not a very plotty movie it's more just about like with every scene um is it bringing them closer or moving them further apart from each other? That's the purpose of any scene in this movie. Right, right. And, you know, how is this going to play out to the ultimate ending where you think it's going to go? Yeah, so, like, a lot of this was surprising of, um, you know, I didn't know that there were time jumps. I didn't know that, you know, um, you know, a lot of the setup gets placed in the beginning and it plays out in the end. Um, Didn't really know that they were going to end up together, you know, uh, but it, it paints yeah, the picture. The, I mean, the director and writer team didn't really know that they were going to end up together until uh, towards the end when they <sighs> they kind of they went with the more conventional approach of having them be married towards the end. But there was definitely an option in play where they just remain friends at the end. And that would have been crazy. Um, would be crazy. Yeah. crazy for the time, you know. I know. Uh, and that's how you that's how you know you love it. It feels like a much more modern movie than uh, 1989. It uh, really does. Um, even though, you know, some of the hairstyles, some <laughs> of the fashion, that kind of stuff definitely plays into it. The showing its age and, you know, some of the, um, you know, manipulative, problematic kind of stuff shows up every once in a while. But largely yeah. like this, this is kind of a almost bulletproof movie in terms of standing the test of time. Yeah, we we've covered some movies that have some fairly problematic of their time scenes. You know, I think of young Frankenstein. I think of can't hardly wait, both of which contain pretty specific moments of near sexual assault um, that are played for laughs. Um, But with this movie, uh, I guess, and I guess like it's, it's, 
it's a benefit that they're talking so much about sex and not necessarily doing sex so much where um, it, it does stand the test of time, uh, like you're saying, because it, it focuses so much on how, how much their uh, friendship means to the both of them and how much they care for each other rather than them being after each other's bodies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did appreciate that too. Um, it, it wasn't all about the getting it on of it all. Right. It was that, you know, you already called this out, but I did love that. It was more about just them being friends. Majority of the movie. Mm. Mm. It's great. It's so it great. And it was, um, and it's so, it, they were so adorable together on screen. They're such a great um, I mean, you they, always like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, but this, this was before all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know who thought Billy Crystal was like a, the leading man. Um, but he, he does a really good job. He carries it. Um, he is both incredibly charming, disarming, um, you know, relatable. And then also just like incredibly just, uh, like, uh, scathing and really annoying at times. He's a little cutie, this movie. Um, let me, let me, let me tell you a little bit about my, me, this movie. So I actually didn't see when Harry met Sally until pretty late in life. Uh, in the, in the Joe, Joe, you're 28, you're 28. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting towards the end here. Um, (laughs) in the world where of like romantic comedies of the eighties and nineties, you know, the Nora Ephron verse of it all. I was, I was definitely more on the, you've got male side of things, which came out like 10 years after this. Yep. Um, which, which shares similar elements, uh, to this movie, except it's, it's kind of, um, moved around a little bit so both movies have somewhat of like an enemies to friends to to lovers structure right uh except the the friends bit is like 80 percent of when harry met sally and it's like 10 percent on the on the back end if you've got mail they're much more enemies for for a lot of that yep um and so this was this was kind of interesting in that way because i've never really seen like a a a man and woman friendship comedy uh in this way especially from the 80s um but my connection to it comes in in the fact that like this is the ultimate airplane movie for me. Oh, really? Uh, okay, I can see yeah. that. I can see that. It's it's happened a couple times where I will start this movie on takeoff and it will hit credits the second we land. Like it's it's kind of just been like a, a bit of a serendipity moment uh, that has solidified it, and it, it's such a comfort watch for me. I like like we saying like we can close read. Uh, all these movies all over the place uh, like we do on this podcast. And I feel like every scene of this movie can be talked about to some extent, just yeah. the dynamics at play uh, just through the dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is. You nailed it. It is comforting for sure. I loved the visual as you know, the aesthetics of it, the, I loved the fall sequence, the winter sequences, it's like, it's like eating a hot soup and grilled cheese, you know? It's great. And like you mentioned the fashion and the sweaters, um, (laughs) which, you know, that look, that kind of look, the relaxed fit kind of thing, that's all coming back. Mm -hmm. People are looking back at Seinfeld. People are looking back at when Harry met Sally and like, that's, that's a Luke right there. I'm going to pull that off. But yeah, it is a hundred percent like tactile, comforting. Um, There's, there's not a lot of like over the top, even like loud bits Mm-hmm. of dialogue there's not hardly any yelling or anything like that um there's hardly like any loud bits of music obviously it's not an action movie or whatever but it is like it is a calm 
and There's I can no... see how this would play well into a movie or a airplane movie. Everything is enjoyable to watch. There's no like mentally squeamish uh, scenes, and the the plot itself is so just like ambling a little bit almost. Um, it, it it has its ups and downs in terms of their relationship, but there's never really any like major stakes at play. There's not they're not doing a heist or anything like that, and so you can really kind of come in and come out of it, and there's always just something on screen uh, to pay attention to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I loved it. It was great. Ah, uh, friendship cinema. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was very low concept. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So let me throw some stats at you. The stats. Uh, and then we can get into some more discussion here. So this movie, um, a lot of people uh, talk about Nora Ephron when they talk about this movie, but this is actually a movie that she wrote. She did not direct. Okay. Um, yeah. This was, a, this was Rob Reiner. This movie was directed by Robert Reiner um, of the Reiner household. Yep. Um, famous House for Reiner. making other movies like Stand By Me and Princess mm-hmm. Bride. Um, it was written by Nora Ephron. This kind of sets the tone for what an Ephron movie would become in terms of just like long shots, long dialogue, very like homey settings, very uh, getting the audience comfortable with your characters, right? Um, stars Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher, and Bruno Kirby, who are awesome in this movie. They are great. Um, released in July of 1989, made $92 million against a budget of $16 million. Everyone was happy with that, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, and it was inspired by uh, Rob Reiner's own divorce at the time. So he was married to uh, Penny Marshall, yeah um and they were divorced so he's kind of in this place of like trying to figure out uh what relationships between men and women really need to be like can you be friends Do you have to be lovers uh rob reiner's like i have to have sex with everyone why do everyone want to- <laughs> uh, i'm so sexy what do i do with this um and a lot of like the the core plot elements and dialogue uh came between a collaboration with him and efron she's kind of bringing in the feminine side of things he's bringing in the more masculine side but then a lot of the the scenes and dialogue between when between harry and sally actually came between from his relationship with billy crystal so they were like best friends at the time uh they used to call them uh, each other up on the phone uh, and talk through stuff. So a lot of that like level of relationship, the friendship portrayed in the film is reflecting mm-hmm. their friendship. Um, so that's, that's kind of, it's kind of how crystal is connected to all of this and how he became uh, a bit of an unlikely leading man here. Even yeah. though he had obviously been in a bunch of stuff in the, in the eighties and he had worked with Reiner before. Um, can I, yeah, can so I just say, real, let me say yeah, real quick, let me say real quick that, you know, the choice to have, Billy Crystal as the lead opposite Meg Ryan mm-hmm. is is really nice because Billy Crystal is like an everyman. Mm-hmm. He's he's very approachable. He's very conventionally handsome. He but he's not like uh, this is not a slight or anything to the man or anything like that. He's not like he's not the most handsome person in the world. He's not, you know, model level. He's yeah. not towering over her. He's he's very middle of the road you know, very safe haircut by the end. Once he finds the look, the Billy Crystal cut. Do you know what it reminds me of? What? Did you ever watch West Wing when it was coming out? No. You never seen West Wing? Mm -mm. 
Okay, so that is obviously a show about the uh, American White House that originally had Rob Lowe on it as like a speechwriter person, but then also Bradley Whitford. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know who Bradley Whitford is? Uh, he's in, oh God, what's he in? He's in like Get Out. He's in. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Look, look up an image. Uh, it's he, He's kind of similar to how Billy Crystal looks in this movie. And uh, a lot of what surprised people about that show is how many fans ended up being attracted to Bradley Whitford instead of Rob Lowe, who's supposed to be more of like the main character heartthrob. Yeah. Rob Lowe ended up leaving four seasons into that show. Maybe for those reasons, uh, it was never super clear. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's kind of a similar, it's a similar, uh, deal in my mind where it's like Bradley Whitford's a little bit, uh, unconventionally, uh, attractive but he's also kind of the hottest person in the world on that show you know Um, my my connection to bradley whitford is billy madison oh is Uh, he like the bad guy in billy madison yeah okay yeah yep amazing yeah uh i i love that but yeah it's it was a it was a choice to make billy crystal the lead because i think a lot of middle america Mm -hmm. middle income straight up the middle of the road men could you know um relate you know mm-hmm. yeah so. and he's also he's also coming from like a comedy background a lot of the a lot of the lines in the movie came from him kind of improvising he came up with the all have what she's having line uh did uh, he during the 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 cat scene that sneaky um, bastard so he looked over to the lady and he said hey you you say this this would be hilarious yeah it's 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 really fun like reading about the history of this movie because like you you come to learn like okay it starts out with Reiner and then he's talking with Billy Crystal he's talking with Nora Ephron they start to collaborate uh, and then they they kind of bring in more and more people who become the main players in this movie so Meg Ryan comes in and she brings her own take on it a lot of her uh, a lot of the uh, input on that fake orgasm scene came from her uh, as well and then you have like Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby who come in and like they're bringing their own level of improv as well um, so it, it seemed like, a, from what I've read and from what I've listened to, like it was a very much a collaborative time on set. I love that. And and you can feel that like a lot of it is effortless mm-hmm. uh, in, in some of the stuff. Like uh, Billy Crystal and um, uh, I wrote down his characters. Oh, Jess. Yeah, his friend Jess uh, in the movie. They seem like genuinely good friends. They seem mm-hmm. genuine. Carrie Fisher is dynamite. She is so much fun. And she mm-hmm. seems like a genuine real friend obsessed with banging married men oh my god she's so quirky in that way how she has that one line that she keeps repeating because they're like he's never gonna leave this he's never gonna leave him yeah Uh, i thought that was really really good so Um, good and the the introduction of the jess character when they're at the baseball game the football game and the wave keeps coming around in the middle of their conversation like it's a really deep hard conversation and the wave keeps happening i love it (laughs) Oh, what is the quote I have for that? I was, I have like a list of quotes at the end here. Oh, marriages don't break up on account of infidelity. It's just a symptom that something else is wrong. Oh, really? Well, that symptom is fucking fine. That was really good. I was really surprised at some of the, the use of language. It's, it's a, it's an R rated comedy. Yeah. And it, which uh, is surprising. Yeah. That's what made it to me feel a little more modern and a little more, you know, able to stand the test of time because they still talk where people still talk like that. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it doesn't feel like 
they're using um, any type of language that's not approachable or whatever. It just, it still seems like real. It doesn't feel sanitized. Absolutely not. That is the, the word that exactly popped in my head. Yeah. Um, Joe, before we jump any further, do you want to watch this trailer? This is Show me that trailer. I haven't seen it yet. It's so much fun. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 uh. Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. Greg? No, I don't like to eat between meals. Disgusting. I'll roll down the window. <laughs> a faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I vary it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. You tell her about other women. Yeah. Like the other night. I made love to this woman, and it was so incredible. I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed. You made a woman meow? Sure. <laughs> I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Mary came over last I night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a then long story short, we, we did it. They did it. You challenged me. <laughs> I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. And I'm gonna be 40. <laughs> when? <laughs> Someday. In eight years. <laughs> men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. <laughs> That's a good one. That's, That's a good a trailer. good trailer because it just, it reflects the vibe of the movie. It's like you're just watching people having these conversations. With, with a nice, delicate jazz background to kind of carry you through. It's great. And there's no voiceover that's like, sometimes you gotta meet Harry before you can be Sally. <laughs> uh, sometimes you gotta have what she's having. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we talked in some of our uh, earlier episodes around like so many of the movies that we cover could be so easily adaptable into video games. And I just... <laughs> demented thought of a when Harry met Sally video game. Cause like you can, all this movie is, is people sitting or standing across from each other and having these conversations. And I want these little like floating numbers next to their head where it's just their stats. So I want to see like with every line, does Harry's uh, attraction to Sally go up? Does Sally's love for Harry go up or down? Yeah. Uh, I want to see like their, their health bars and their mental bars fill up or go down whenever they have uh, little conversations on the side with Carrie Fisher, or Bruno Kirby. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I just feel like it's, 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 it's so, <laughs> I don't want to say algorithmic is the word. That's the wrong word, but it's like, that it's, is- the way that this script is structured is so interesting to me because it's there's fairly little plot except like I like I said, it's really just does each scene push them together or pull them apart? Um, yeah, and I bet you could go through each scene and be like, oh, they're like two points further apart, or oh, this one definitely four 
four bits closer. Um, okay. Super cool. Right. Yeah, I would love a game. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get too far into this, and I have a, a few more talking points I want to hit on. I'm going to make you do what may be the easiest or hardest plot description uh, we've uh, had to do so far. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to give you a minute. That's fine. Yeah. And I'll, just, uh, I'll leave it up to you to decide, you know, what to include versus not, because it's, it's all about a vibe. <laughs> yeah, this, this is it. Yeah. All right. I, I'm ready when you're ready. Are you ready? I am. All right. Uh, one minute starting now. When Harry Met Sally involves Harry and Sally, they meet in college. They're both in their early 20s, which, yeah, right. Um, they go on a car ride together long all the way to New York. Uh, they don't hit it off. Five years later, they meet up again later. He still kind of uh, grinds her gears. She's still kind of uh, over the top. They don't get together yet. Five years later, I think, still. I don't know. It's it's multiple jobs. 30 seconds. They become close. They become friends. He's fresh off a divorce. She just broke up with her boyfriend. They kind of share this thing. They kind of grow closer. They kind of become more friends, even though at the beginning, he says, men and women cannot be friends. Um, but Look at that. They're becoming friends. Uh, and then they slowly fall in love. They slowly, without telling each other, they have sex. It complicates things. They get into a fight. But then they reconcile. And they do end up together in the end. And they they have coconut cake at their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, you did it. Um, yeah, I, what's I, the year? What are the year jumps? It's year like, jumps. So they start in... they. They're, they're out of college in 1977. They're going from Chicago to New York. And then it's like five years to 1983-ish. Mm -hmm. Another five... Hmm, hang on. Another five years. Yeah. No, that doesn't make sense. 1982. Another five years, 1987. That's when they become friends. And then it's like a year and a half to two years uh, till and being the friends. two years party. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. That makes sense. That that, that checks out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, but uh, so we, I mean, we talk about how this movie is uh, very much of just like a series of conversations, a series of uh, relationship dynamics at play, right? Um, and it, it feels very, um, I want to, I've never lived in New York, but it feels very much like a New York movie in that way where you could just have the city as a backdrop and that almost like it, 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 it adds, uh, an extra layer of je ne sais quoi. In and of itself, the city is another character. Yes. Right. And we've, you've mentioned Seinfeld a couple times, mm -hmm. a show that is famously about nothing, almost in the way that this movie is uh, about nothing, but these, these characters developing a relationship, right? Yeah. I've, I've never seen a full episode of Seinfeld. Um, and I was waiting for this moment to drop that one on you. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to get your just general thoughts around how, that show compares to this movie, both released around the same time, I want to say. Maybe Seinfeld was a few years later. I um, think it was about the same time, like 89, 90 was when it got its start. Uh, now, I am not the Seinfeld connoisseur. This is why we need uh, guests on the show. We, yeah. And, uh, you know, some of our friends, you know, uh, I think Matt and Carrie specifically, <laughs> shout out, uh, are more versed in this world. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's again, it's, it's the thing that everyone knows about that. The show Seinfeld is a show about nothing. 
Mm-hmm. It's just, but it is just kind of like this. It is very dialogue heavy. It is heavy on the comedy, situational stuff, and just people being around each other and their friendships. So, yeah, you can imagine a world where like this movie's such a big hit, and people are trying to figure out how to recapture that magic. Yeah, and it's how really do we do that? Like, let's stick them in a diner and have them talk about stuff. Like Jerry, Jerry jumped on Jerry Seinfeld jumped on that and said, "I will make a, a complete hit show about this, <laughs> and it will be amazing." Just the the exact same formula. So, like, I made a specific note about this that this gives big Jerry and Elaine vibes. So, in the show, mm-hmm. early in the early season or early few episodes or whatever, Jerry and Elaine do sleep together, mm-hmm. and it complicates their friendship. But they eventually work their way around it, and they remain friends the remainder of the show. I mean, that's. Uh, that's kind of another classic example of like men and women being friends because Elaine is just so much like a part of that group mm-hmm. uh, in a way that kind of defies gender, I guess, for the time. Yeah. And, you know, she plays a lot or El- Elaine plays a lot of the similar role that Sally McRyan does in this movie of just mm-hmm. like offering, you know, like a female perspective on, you know, um, George or you know, Jerry or Kramer's mm-hmm. kind of love life at the moment of what's going on of just like, Oh no, what's actually happening here? Because from a woman perspective, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. When she says this, she means this. And it's a lot of that. So um, I, I was pleasantly pleased as punch throughout this movie, seeing that dynamic kind of play out in this, in between them um, specifically, I think, you know, when we think of the cozy white sweater that he's wearing, when, He's, they're rolling out the carpet together and they're kind of just talking um, just like about their lives or whatever. And it's just like this, this feels like a Seinfeld conversation. Every apartment in this movie is my dream apartment. to have. Like, how does he live in that place in, in 1989 without being like American psycho levels of rich sociopath? So like they hint at it, that he's like a political advisor or a political I, writer. Or whatever. <laughs> it's vague enough, but like, you can draw on it like, oh, obviously he, of course he does well for himself. Is he working for Bush Sr.? Like, how does that work? Bush Sr., Dole, all of them, probably. <laughs> Jimmy Carter, they probably cross paths. He was big with Dole. He was um, a big Dole guy. Yeah, I I like how this movie, um, it's, it's, it's pretty simple in terms of its plot, but like it, you can see how they're, relationship with each other and their thoughts on the opposite gender mature as they are literally physically maturing as people you know they start out as little baby early 20 somethings uh, regardless of how convincing that is and then they end <laughs> up in like this is basically them going through their crazy 20 years and ending up uh in their early 30s which you know we're we're both uh, on on either sides of right now yep so it's like uh there's there's a level of um trying to really solidify yourself once you get into your thirties and figure out who you really want to be. And I like how they both help each other in that, uh, in that direction uh, throughout the movie. I did appreciate the journey that they both went on Mm. specifically Billy Crystal, you know, Harry goes through more of a change. Um, When you first meet him, he's way not approachable, kind Mm. of a scumbag you know, like really scathing, like I mentioned before, just like not likable mm-hmm. overall. And even more so five years later when he's like a young professional, you know, on, when they meet again on the plane, um, still kind of a dirtbag uh, in a way. 
it's interesting to see like the shift in dynamic there. Cause like when you think about like them being co-leads of this movie, Billy Crystal, like maybe edges her out a little bit in terms of like main character status on this movie, especially in the, the first half, because he takes on more of like the dominant role in whatever conversation they're in. Like she comes off as a little bit more naive. He comes off as a little bit more sarcastic, but he's got more experience or whatever. He's the one throwing out all these theories about love and men and women that become the theories and the, 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 the driving force, of driving the force of the movie. But um, that's, that's kind of in like their early to mid twenties phase. And you can tell that he's kind of the master of that phase. But as the movie goes on, she kind of becomes the more confident and secure one. And you can see that there's, there's obviously the main turning point where she like owns his ass with the fake orgasm scene in cat's deli, um, which is obviously like the, the, the big scene from this movie. Um, but then when it comes time for them to actually sleep together, uh, he's obviously freaked out right after it happens. He doesn't really know how to handle it. Whereas she, uh, there's, there's like nice little moments of in between where they're both in separate rooms and they're both kind of considering what's happening. And she, you can tell she's kind of like thinking through it and she seems just more and more confident that this is a good thing that just happened. And he's like, Oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. like, what happened? She's the one who's kind of like, holding him on a leash for the rest of the movie in terms of like him trying to win her back. And she's trying to decide like, does she want to have this man in her life or is she, has she grown past him a little bit? Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting. Cause yeah, like the first two phases we'll call them mm-hmm. the early college phase. And then like the mid young professional kind of phase when they're 20 years and Ultron phase. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Phase two. Um, yeah, he he still thinks he's in control. Mm-hmm. And once we get to phase three, you know, early 30s, early to mid 30s, you're facing, you know, your, you know, uh, not midlife crisis, but still kind of quarter life crisis in a way. You know, they both come off big breakups. He's coming off a divorce. And that's the thing that has that shakes his world that mm-hmm. um, humbles him, brings him back down to earth enough to become a more likable person in the eyes of Sally. Mm-hmm. They're in, they're, they're in the bookstore and, you know, she has the line of like, don't look now. That's, I know him. That's Harry, whatever his name is. He won't even remember my name. And he comes up in such like a very approachable way. And it's just like Sally Jenkins. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, Oh, he's, he's turned around a lot. You had to go through some shit in the past five years to really bring you back. To, he's got a beard. He's very handsome. He feels comfortable in himself, um, but his world is shaken. That's also it's it's one of my favorite Carrie Fisher lines from the movie: "Is <laughs> someone is staring at you in personal growth." It's so great. <laughs> it's um, yeah. Let's let's talk about so this movie is is such friendship cinema, uh, as I've said. The, these people have the best friends in in any movie. Yeah. Um, so Carrie Fisher's great with Meg Ryan. Bruno Kirby uh, is great with uh, Billy Crystal. Um, I I love the 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 moment you first meet Carrie Fisher when they're having like um, when Meg Ryan's having lunch with her her girlfriends like near the lake in Central Park or whatever, and she she hears that she's single and Carrie immediately pulls out like a a, a Rolodex is that what it is yeah of, yeah. Like, all the single men she finds out one of them is married and like folds the, <laughs> the corner the yeah. uh, so good um and then there's there's uh there's 
they obviously form the subplot uh, of this movie where it's like their relationship is budding almost more naturally and more faster than uh, Harry and Sally's. Uh, because (laughs) the second they first meet, um, it's, it's, they're set up on dates opposite each other and it becomes immediately apparent that, uh, Bruno and Carrie, uh, are more interested in each other than the dates that they are set up on. Uh, and then (laughs) they both run into a cab with each other at the end completely. I thought that was, that was great. That was so good. I love that scene. Yeah. They, they both give each other a look of like, Oh, this isn't how this is supposed to go, and like maybe some, maybe a little bit deeper of like, well, maybe we're supposed to end up together, and mm-hmm. you could kind of see the question marks flying towards each other. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really great. But um, yeah, so again, like looking at the phases and, and all of that, um, I think that's really approachable. Um, you know, I think that's kind of what drew me to it. You know. Uh, being thinking thinking you're in your 20s you're fresh out of college you know everything you know what you want to do you're very confident you think you know how the world works um five years later you're in you're in your like professional world you still think you kind of know how the world works maybe it's a little bit different from what how you originally thought but once you hit your 30s like i've known and i you know personally like have been through a lot of stuff since i turned 30 Mm-hmm. And that's where you really find who you are and you find your place in the world and your person in the world and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's one thing that I really took away from this movie that like, oh, man, I really enjoy this about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean, if if this movie does have a conflict or a thing to overcome, it's the fact that like they they both are very firmly set in their own worlds in their early 20s and they both have these like ideologies about things and they're both polar opposites from each other and neither of them expect that within the next 12 years they're going to become best friends with a member of the opposite gender right um and like uh once that happens a lot of the you know a lot of the mishaps a lot of the questions that arise from the movie is like is this weird? How do we navigate this? Uh, because we really do just want to be friends and we get a level of comfort from each other that we don't get from anyone else. And yet we don't necessarily want to have sex with each other just right out. Right. But we also don't want to see each other with other people too. Um, so it, yeah. it becomes very much a, a confusing situation and a balance between, um, is this is this supposed to be happening or should we be more conforming to the norms of uh, society? I like that it wasn't like beating you over the head so much of like that theme of, well, you guys can't be friends. There's no way you guys can be friends. You guys mm-hmm. are opposite sex. There's no way. Like it, it only comes up a couple times mm-hmm. and they kind of like disprove it by being friends and living their life together and kind of sharing these experiences. I think any other kind of like lazier rom-com would kind of like continually like that that's the obstacle that they keep hitting i think any other lazier rom-com they both have like more friends of the same gender too and that that it would be kind of like a their friends ganging up on them to persuade them one way or another but i do like it how it's like just them and then it's like just carrie fisher and jasper basically uh, when it comes down to it and so it becomes this kind of four-way of like I mean, literally spelled out in the phone call scene of like, they are communicating with each other and then the other two on the outside are communicating with them. Um, and it it becomes uh, 
that level of communication throughout the movie, uh, where these four people's stories are played out through, uh, one-on-one interactions that are often like switched up in a way that shows different dynamics between them. Yeah. So like early on, uh, this was one thing I didn't expect and I'm glad it didn't pan out this way, but early on in the movie, I was like, is Billy Crystal the bad guy? (laughs) Because he's constantly like belittling her and gaslighting her. Mm-hmm. But that's only like in the first two phases. So I'm glad that he grew out of that kind of like borderline misogynistic bullshit kind of alpha yeah. male kind of behavior. Um, unfortunately, you know, it had to take a divorce to humble him um, to kind of show him the way a little bit more. But that that was one thing that um, jumped out to me at first. I was like, I really don't like him at all. And if this is his character, like this movie's going to suck. But, you know, once they hit their 30s or whatever, he's he's a different person. Yeah, you can tell he's the type of person who just thinks about things that are important to him nonstop, like it, in the moment, yeah. the way he introduces himself is like, I think about death all the time for days at a time, you know, and so he thinks it's so cool. Yeah. He's very early 20s, emo, whatever. And then um, once Sally becomes such an important part of his life, obviously he's going to be thinking about her all the time. He can't stop calling her. He can't stop leaving messages. And so he's kind of the driving force. Once they have a little bit of a friendship breakup, he needs them to be back together. Uh, yeah. anyway. And then Sally, on the other hand, is is an alternative to that where like she can think about other things besides mm-hmm. uh, she seems to have more solid long lasting relationships they're they're boring sure but like yeah she she takes a more careful approach to the way uh that she has relationships with people than him one thing i really liked and enjoyed was the parallel conversation you know it comes to a head at the the i think it was one of of my favorite scenes was the the split phone call scene after Mm -hmm. they sleep together they're essentially saying the same thing Mm-hmm. to their friends and that happens a couple other times in bits throughout the movie um you know like when they go on the double date and it's not working out so well they're both having the same conversation of like mm-hmm. you know like if you want to call them like that's fine but like not right now you know like they're going through a tough time they're essentially saying the same thing it's a very um, it's a it's a very mirrored symmetrical story it's a dance between these two people and they both have similar backup dancers and I think it was great. And one thing that it just popped into my head right now uh, that draws a comparison is Jim and Pam's relationship at the mm-hmm. beginning of The Office, seasons one and two and three, of being these friends, you know, against all odds of sorts, mm-hmm. you know. Um, obvious obstacles come in, you know, with her engagement to Roy or him dating um uh, Rashida Jones or all this kind of stuff. It's it's very reminiscent of that, of just like, you know they're going to end up together because they know each other in such a deep, intimate way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Jim and Pam of it all kind of became an archetype uh, on its own that was that was grown out of this, like, you know, friends to, to lovers relationship. And now every, every rom-com TV show is repeating that. You always have the Jim and Pam there. Um, yeah. so you, 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 I mean, in my own experience, like I've seen it in shows like Superstore and I'm seeing it now in shows like Abbott Elementary, where like you have these friendships and then they have a moment where they, they happen to kiss. And then there's the ultimate follow up of like, is this going to completely, um, 
ruin our relationship? Should we just forget that this ever happened? It's all the same versions of the same uh, conversation. And so now it almost seems like going back to like how there, there originally was an ending of when Harry met Sally, where they remained friends and they didn't really pursue a romantic relationship. Now it kind of seems like doing that in a movie or a TV show is a little bit going against the norm. And so who's going to do that next instead of having your, your two lead romantic uh, characters end up together at at the end or for the last four seasons of a show, you know? Yeah. I'd love to see more of that. That's, that's honestly, I think more of a realistic approach to it. More of a challenge too. Like how do you really is the audience on board if they're just friends the entire time, you know? Yeah. So like you get, um, did did you ever watch new girl? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's Jess and Nick. You know, they they kind of start out as friends, acquaintances, friends. They sleep together, they stay together, they break up, they become friends, they end up together again. That kind of thing. Um what else? Oh, yeah, Parks and Rec, you know, mm-hmm. you get Leslie and Ben. They kind of start out same same way of kind of like kind of like enemies, kind of frenemies, friends, yeah. lovers, yeah. Um, yeah, Parks and Rec does some fun stuff to it where like they they end up in like the secret lover phase for a little bit longer than you would expect just because of like, there's like, there becomes like political reasons on that show. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's become a, a way of telling a story that is fun to play with uh, and also fun to go against uh, yeah. in movies and TV shows since. So Joe, can, can we get just peel back, peel it back one layer and go a little bit deeper here mm-hmm. now? You mentioned this at the top, and and I want to just I want to explore it a little bit. This isn't in my notes. This oh my god, this is coming up organically. So you know, we mentioned that you know there's there's this archetype, there's this formula for this kind of relationship in modern media, and it is heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Is there anything out there today or in the past or whatever that plays with similar tropes of? friends or lovers or lovers or friends that kind of thing in alternative cinema in gay movies or anything like that is there anything right. like that that exists it's 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 interesting and i and i was trying to find like a connection uh like that uh, in my notes while while thinking through this movie um and i think one of the one of the key differences that's kind of hard to recreate on like the 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 gay side of things is that so much of this movie is not just about um how how am i saying this so much of this movie uh when harry met sally is about the fact that they are coming at it from two different uh uh genders two different perspectives right Mm -hmm. uh and so what you get with more gay movies is um you're often it's not really uh, as much about a gender thing as it right. is more about like a, a class thing, a, an opinions thing, or you're, you're both uh, against like a, a similar um, uh, issue that you're both fighting against. And so once you take that out of it, it's, it's really kind of like more of an open book for how to proceed in like the gay rom-com genre. And I wish there were, there were more um, examples to think through. I mean, uh, very recently, you think of like something like Fire Island that came out on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, it's it's like a gay retelling of Pride and Prejudice uh, in uh, a modern setting, right? Uh, and so it hits those same notes, but it's it's very much more 
um, different personalities in general clashing and learning yeah. to mold with each other and less relying on gendered archetypes. Sure. Yeah. And, and I totally get that and, and, and understand that, but you know, I'm kind of, I kind of see past that too, of just like, I think more of the crux is yeah, there, there is the, you know, the, the gendered specific things, but you know, it is really just like, can people be stay friends Yeah, or can they, transform and put the friendship at risk by then taking it to the next level mm -hmm. and so. that's i mean that that very idea i think is something that can kind of uh transcend different uh genres of the rom-com you know it's yeah. something that's a little bit more universal the 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 idea of friendship and the idea of a friendship style love as opposed to a romantic uh style love and what puts the other at risk yeah yeah, I'd love to see this explored way more in the future of cinema. Hmm. Hmm. Why not? And it, it and it probably will, you know. Because uh, damn, damn rom coms that aren't dumb little Netflix movies. Damn right. Um, I, I think it's high time that you know Hollywood and media at large kind of ditches just the the safe storytelling because it's getting boring. Yeah. You know, like and I I don't know if you've seen it yet. But it has taken the world by storm. <laughs> the the HBO television series based on the video game, The Last of Us. Okay, I haven't seen it. You know my struggles here because I can't decide if I want to play the game first or watch the show first. What's going to spoil what? Tell me, speak on that. How? What? Are, what are your thoughts here? So I don't want to spoil anything. I, I know. I know basic plot lines. I think. Yeah. So like like episode three is mm -hmm. a very bottle episode and it focuses around two individuals and their relationship throughout you know a span of time and it is literally one of the most compelling impressive emotionally devastating like pieces of media i've ever seen mm -hmm. in the span of you know an hour and 10 minutes hour and 20 minutes or whatever and the i think like the the reaction to it in just modern media and modern culture and stuff like that, like signals a change for like people want to see different kind of storytelling. They want to see less heteronormative. They want to see more varied and more real love stories. And yeah. that's what it was. Um, and it is, it was just so groundbreaking and just, you know, you know, to take place in this post-apocalyptic crazy video game based world or whatever, this really wonderful love story contained story, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think spells, uh, you know, good things for, for more explorations to make it more, um, more common. Yeah. And as, so. as we begin to see more types of relationships, more of ourselves up on the screen, I, uh, while still watching these movies from like the eighties, nineties, two thousands, um, it's, it's, I'd be interested to start noticing more like what's being kept versus what's being thrown out in terms yeah. of uh, tropes and stuff. And I think yep. when Harry met Sally, we talked about how so much of it stands the test of time because it's really just two people connecting at the end. Of yeah. Day. And I think you could tell this story ad nauseum swapping the people out mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it is coming down to two people meeting very young in their life and they're on polar opposites. They still, they think they know, they have themselves figured out they meet up again a little bit later and then they meet up, you know, five years again after that. 
one of their worlds is rocked, their perspectives change, and it's more about can these friends remain or do, do they take it to the next level? And I, I would love to see it explored in multitudes of ways. Hmm. So good. Um, yeah, well, like we said at the beginning, like you could you could write an essay about every single frame of this movie. And yes. we, we, we just we can't do that because it's already been written a million times. Um, so, Justin, I, I want to make a little quick stop into Cocktail Town before we get into our game because we forgot yeah. cocktails this whole time. I know mine's almost gone. Mine's almost gone. This is uh, this little red boy. Yeah, um, I've, I've been drinking this whole time, too. Tell me about it. This is uh, this. Obviously, this idea came from my my muse, my light, my world. Uh, Ryan, mm. um, this is the wagon wheel. Shout out to Ryan. Oh, I love the wagon wheel. Yes. Love that scene. Dynamite. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just a standard cocktail. Uh, one and a half ounces bourbon, cognac, but I don't have cognac, so I subbed some dark rum, lemon juice, and grenadine. That makes it red. A little bit of simple syrup. It's delicious. Mm, that sounds amazing. Because um, I was trying to think of what could I do with this movie? What could I make from this movie? And that's that's what we landed on because I explored a couple of other things, but I'm, I'm interested to see where you landed. Yeah. Uh, this is a mocktail. This, this has no alcohol in it. A first for the show. Um, it's uh, a cup of ginger ale with ice, um, some splashes of lime juice, and then a few dashes of bitters that I'm calling the fake orgasm. Ooh, fake out. I love it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. Uh, because I've... it made you think it was alcohol. Made you think you thought so. You you don't. <laughs> you don't know. Um, I, I was exploring, you know, um, like pecan pie. I loved that scene when they're having the pecan pie. Mm-hmm. That the that. Um, I mean, coming back to video games based on movies as a concept and having the idea of like key little items for every scene um, that you can kind of collect along the way. This 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 movie has so many. Uh, items that become topics of conversation. You know, you got the wagon wheel, you got the pecan pie, um, things that uh, that become metaphorical or very realistic portrayals of like how their relationship is progressing. Uh, yeah, so the little I, karaoke machine that they you see at Sharper Image, and then he's using it on the phone at the end of the movie. It's great. He bought it. Yeah, I love it. Um, I would love to see a game of kind of like Legend of Zelda style. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, it's it's like a 2D platform kind of thing. You're kind of just moving around and you're just having conversations and you get to like pick and choose what you say. Like, is it I, two I would love player? That. Is someone Harry and is someone Sally? Yeah, oh. absolutely. That'd be great. It's split screen. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be so much fun. I would love that. There, I mean, Sally expansion pack you can now play <laughs> as Carrier Bruno. <laughs> the DLC, yeah. Um, there... There is a specific category of video games like for Switch and, and stuff like that that are just specifically cozy games. Mm-hmm. And I think this uh, When Harry Met Sally, the video game, would fall in that category. Like crazier things have happened. You could you could see that being like a little um, ironic hit uh, if they came out with it right now. And it's just like a little walk around, talk around uh, style game. Like they should be 8-bit characters. Yes, that's what I Sweaters and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. We're, on the same, we're on the same wavelength. I think what what this podcast is ultimately leading to is a great portfolio of 
video games based on movies that we're going to sell and also an album's worth of um, game music uh, that has been oh, yeah. composed uh, specifically for this show. By yours truly, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about the one that we got today. I am very excited. Speaking of which, let's just get right into the game portion of our show. Already? All right. Yeah, let's do we're it. We're going to dive right in. Fuck it. Let's do it. This is... Um, do you want to introduce the title of the game? This is how yeah. this works, by the way. Joe gives me the title of the game he's going to do, and that's it. Yeah, I, I texted Justin this um, a couple days ago, and he kind of hopefully picked it up and ran with it. Um, let me see exactly what I text you. So actually, don't actually don't don't spoil it. Let's see. You don't want me to say the name of the game? Yeah, we'll we'll do it in the sh- in the in the. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll talk more about it afterwards, but let's let's have a little opener to our game portion. Let's do it. Here we go. It's time for everyone's favorite meat and cheese themed game show. I'll have a cheese sandwich. <laughs> and by that I mean a sandwich. Isn't that fun? That's fun. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, yes, the the name of the game that I have come up with for this episode is I'll Have What She's Having. And by that, I mean a sandwich. Um, so we've we've gone a little bit crazy with games in, in the past few episodes. They've they've been a little cerebral. They've been a little improvisational. And, you know, in the spirit of this movie, just being so like you know, down to earth basics, just like two people coming together and talking about it. I, I decided to go back to the basics too. And I'm just giving you a simple little quiz game about sandwiches, about sandwiches. Yes. Uh, because of the, obviously the cat's uh, deli scene where they're, they're, they're eating some sort of Turkey sandwich uh, when she does the fake orgasm scene. I think she's having Turkey and he's having pastrami. Ooh, pastrami. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So Justin, let me, let me just, give you the rules here i'm going to give you six questions about sandwiches i'm going to give you multiple choice for each um and you're just going to tell me your best guess for each done simple like a sandwich itself Mm, like a sandwich should be um okay let me dive right in with question one what is the most popular sandwich in america is it the ham sandwich which consists of ham cheese and mustard or mayo the peanut butter and jelly sandwich or the BLT, which is bacon, lettuce, and tomato. BLTs to me barely register as a sandwich. Um, ham and cheese, probably not. I'm gonna go with peanut butter and jelly because of kids. Peanut butter and jelly, final answer. See, that makes sense in my mind, but it's actually the ham sandwich. God damn it. Uh, okay. Yeah, people just be eating those all over the place. Just ham all day. Okay. All right. Um, okay, so question two, hang on, my notes may have gotten mixed up here, but you know what, I'm just, I'm going to go with it. Question two, what is the average length in seconds of the female orgasm? Is it 10 seconds, 20 seconds, or 60 seconds? Uh, or I should know this. I think it's 60. You think it's 60? Yeah. Wow. The average one's 20. 
Um, ah, I was going to say 20, but then I went with 60. Yeah, that's a good direction to go with that one. Ouch. Um, okay, question three. We're, we're back on track. Uh, on average, how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches will the typical American eat before graduating high school? Mm. Is it 100, 500, or 1,500? Let's see. Before graduating high school, you're 18 years old. You have a sandwich a day. Three, 15, no, 1,500. No. Do math on that yes. One? 1500. Yep. 1500. Justin, that's correct. It's 1500. Yeah. yeah. I love it. All right. Um, question four. Orgasms can cause the body to release the hormone prolactin, which can increase which of your senses? Is it taste, smell, or sight? Ooh. Prolactin? Mm-hmm. Prolactin is the hormone that's released. Yeah. Uh, and it's... Would you say taste, smell, or sight? Taste, smell, or sight. Smell. Hey, you got it, bud. It's yeah, smell. I did. You can smell things so much better. Weird. Um, okay, question five. Where did the sandwich get its name? Mm. Is it the city of Sandwich near Kent in England? Is it the Earl of Sandwich who liked to eat pieces of meat between bread while hunting or is the origin of the word sandwich unknown see i want to say it's the earl of sandwich because i think that's the thing that people gravitate towards there is a place called earl of sandwich and it's a sandwich shop i gotta go with that one it's correct yeah yeah i love how you use context on that one Um, could you imagine like if it's not even true you have to tell that to the ceo of earl of sandwich and my life is a lie they're like, we got we to gotta lean further into this more Earls of mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've gotten three right out of five so far? Looks yeah. Like. Yeah, not too bad. Not bad. You're on a bit of a streak. Okay. Final question. Um, about jizz. Yeah. 60% of sandwiches sold globally are actually hamburgers. What day of the year is International Female Orgasm Day? Is it March 17th? Is it August 8th? Or is it November 1st? November 1st. Is that your final answer? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's um, the the turning of the season. Uh, you're probably wearing socks more often. You're a little cozier, a little more relaxed. Uh, mm-hmm. You like to snuggle more. November 1st. Orgasm day. Jizz mm-hmm. day. Yep. November 1st is All Saints Day, you sinner. Um, it's <laughs> August 8th. August 8th in the middle of summer. How about middle that? Of okay. summer when it's just sweaty. Wet. Just sweat. Okay. I uh, love it. Justin, you got 50% right on uh, I'll have what she's having. And by that, I mean a sandwich. Um, I loved the mix of that. You know, that was good. Passable in certain schools. Some schools. Like, not great schools, but but some schools. Yeah. Yeah. That was... Um, that's what I expected from Joe. Yeah, that is what I expected from Joe. I don't know how those other questions got mixed up in it. That was I don't either. Yeah, something messed up with your notes. Yep. Uh-huh. It was I was saving it for a future episode. Things got uh, kind of thrown together, lost in translation. Who knows? What episode? <laughs> You're gonna find out. Certainly not our Muppet episodes. Oh wow, it's gonna be worse for the Muppet episode. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, Joe, I was very pleased with this movie. Um, 
mm-hmm. we hit on all the bits. It's very cozy. It's very safe, I guess, mm-hmm. is, a, is a good word. Um, it, it, feels, it feels just like a, a nice sweater. It's a hug. It's ah. semi-predictable, but you go through a journey. Um, and yeah, I think it does stand the test of time. I was very pleasantly surprised with that, that it didn't seem like a typical 80s movie filled with racist remarks and misogynistic tendencies. This felt just like a real drive home story. It, it feels like it taps into something deeper. Um, that, and that's kind of what makes it uh, kind of stand the test of time in that way. But, so I, I had this thought earlier. So um, Nora Ephron, any relation to Zach? No, I think they're spelled differently. She's got a PH. He's got an F. Ah, okay. Just that just popped in my head. Don't don't even worry about it. There was a bit of a left and right situation at Ellis Island that happened, and <laughs> the PHs go this way, Fs go that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I love I love this movie. Uh, I'm I'm glad you brought it up. It was one that you know, I had an idea about. I had a general inkling about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I I came out of it just like oh that was a really cute movie. I loved it. Yeah. It's it's the ideal comfort watch, and I'm I'm glad I've given that to you. Uh, next next time I'm on a plane for going to Florida or whatever, it's, it's always on planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my go-to now. Oh, okay. So Justin, that wraps up our mini series on love. Um, yeah. I think we I think we did a good job. Uh, I think we picked two interesting movies to kind of approach the topic from different directions. Yeah, yeah, we, we um, definitely did, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, next month, yeah, March. Okay. Next month is March, and I love alliteration. And uh, what we're gonna do? We're gonna do musical March. Mm. So we're gonna do musicals that kind of passed us by. Um, and I'm going first in a couple weeks. And uh, Joe, we're gonna do, we're gonna do the Little Shop of Horrors. I fully look forward to expanding the Moranis verse in my mind. <laughs> um, and I, I'm ready to talk Moranis. Let's talk Moranis. We're talking Moranis, folks. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's... More Moranis. More Moranis. Yeah, um, I avoided saying that. I know. And <laughs> and then in, in April, we're doing some Oscar bait talk. Uh, and then, like I mentioned earlier, we're doing some Muppet Mayhem in May. So we, like we're really building up Muppet Mayhem. I am super excited for Muppet Mayhem. I am too. And I cannot tell you how excited my wife is to just watch <laughs> anything related to Muppets. Um, and it's going to be so much fun. I'm um, terrified for the games that we come up with for Muppet Mayhem. You should be. <laughs> you should be. Um, yeah. It, it, last, last closing thoughts. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, I'm excited to watch this movie again and again until I die. Um, same, same. And, uh, I, I, I want to explore the, the Efron verse more. I want to watch you've got mail. Uh, yeah. again. I wanna, I've never really dived into sleepless in Seattle. So I want to get into that as well. All those movies feel the same. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. You, we, you we should to like see a trend. It's very yeah. homey. It's very comfortable. It's very New York, even though it's approachable. I don't think sleepless in Seattle is, uh, is that New York? I don't know. Seattle, Washington. They're they're in two different uh, locations, I believe. Okay. See, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. We may have to come circle back around. We should check it out. Yeah. Yep. Right. Well, Joe, thanks again. I appreciate it. 
We'll talk music next time. Absolutely. See ya. Bye.